I uh, want to kind of do a part two of part one. We went through most of this message last uh, two weeks ago in the book of James as uh, we're walking through the, the, the book of James. And uh, it's on the word uh, that we're in in chapter one. And the word is critical to the Christian life. We have got to pay attention to the instruction manual. Are you a person who likes to read the instructions before you get involved in a project? One person is. A few of you are. I, you know, I don't like to read the instructions. I like to just figure out it on my own. But in doing that, you know what? I waste a lot of valuable time. I remember uh, Allison's swing set that I put together when she was three years old. This uh, swing set was enormous. It came with, it didn't can't come with a pamphlet. It came with a book and how to put this. And I did not want to take the time to read the details of this book. And so I just tried to figure it out on my own. And when I was done, I had more parts left over that I thought, man, this company wasted their time shipping me all these extra parts. But little did I know that uh, they were a part of the swing set. And had I read the manual, I would have not known where they had gone. But, uh, yeah, that was an interesting swing set. It was like my, my dad's swing set that he put together for my brother and I. You know, you're supposed to anchor these swing sets into the, to the ground. I didn't anchor that one thing into the ground. Man, when you swung on that swing set, those legs whop, and uh, it was <laughs> it was fun to watch. But <laughs> but when we don't read the instructions, we we waste a lot of potential. We waste a lot of time, and we make a lot of needless mistakes. And that's what happens when we don't read this manual. This manual is here to help us, to guide us in uh, better marriage relationships, better uh, parenting uh, relationships with our children, uh, better employee-employer relationships. It, it shows us the difference between right and wrong and the blessings that accompany uh, right and, the, and the, the consequences that accompany the wrong. And, uh, and God has given us this manual to read so that in paying attention to it and following instructions, he can bless our lives. He has the potential. He has the ability to bless our life when we follow the directions. And so I want us to read uh, verses 19 through 27 again. I don't believe I read this passage uh, last time. Two weeks ago, we talked about it a lot. But uh, if you have your Bibles, James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. James says this, Know this, my beloved brother. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word 
which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and once at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James, in his uh, book, is writing to Christians, Christians who have been dispersed from Jerusalem and uh, are living beyond uh, the city of Jerusalem. And they're people, they are Christians who are, who are being persecuted for their faith and living impoverished lives. And these are James's words to them, and they're James's words to us. Um, and paying attention to these worlds, that doesn't mean that your poverty is necessarily going to go away. That persecution isn't going to stop. The context of chapter 1 is that there is trouble, there is trial, there is temptation that's going on in believers' lives. And if you aren't paying attention to what the Word has to say, it's life is going to mess you up. Life will destroy you. And it doesn't have to if we pay attention to the instruction manual. The Bible says in in John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Christian, this morning, you have the ability to hear God's voice. God is trying to speak to you through his son, Jesus. And that voice is predominantly, 99% of the time, through the inspiration of God's holy book. So how, how are you and I to hear God's voice? How do, do we allow God's word to make a difference in our life? James tells us in this passage of Scripture, we looked at this last week. Number one, we must be ready. We must be ready for what he has to say. And there's four things that James tells us. And again, this is review, but uh, we need to have open ears. James tells us in verse 27, I'm sorry, in verse uh, 19, that we need to hear. Let, let the person be quick to hear. We need to open our ears to what he has to say. Number two, we need to close our mouth. We need to get rid of the distractions. 
Instead of taking the time and just complaining to God about what isn't happening in your life, James says you need to stop, you need to listen, and you need to shut your mouth. Get alone. Find a quiet place, undistracted. Turn off the TV. Turn off the devices. And allow God to speak to your heart. Number three, verse 21, we need to come with the right uh, spirit. He says, slow to speak, slow to be angry. Um, Come with a humble heart, accepting the word that's planted in you. We need to come hungry. We need to come to him humbly. And then finally, in being ready for God to speak to us, to hear his voice, you and I, we must have a pure heart. A heart that is undefiled. We can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the scripture. We can't think that we can have the best of both worlds and that we hear God's voice. No, James tells us that we need to get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. In church, there is evil all around us. And we have to stop entertaining ourselves with the things of this world and take God's word, that God's word be a higher priority in our life. We must come to him with a pure heart. James 4.4 tells us, You adulterous people, do you not know that the friendship with the world is enmity with God? So that's my first question. Is, Is your heart ready? Are you hungry for his presence, for his voice? Are your ears open and your mouth shut? Are you ready to come in the quietness of your spirit and hear God's voice? Not only must we be ready, but James tells us we must be receptive. In verse 21, it says, Receive, accept the implanted word which is able to save you. Be receptive. God's word, James says, can save your life. If you're here and saying, well, pastor, I thought Jesus saves my life. Yes, he does. And the Bible says that Jesus is the word of God. He's the word, he was the, he's the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus says that I have, Peter realized that Jesus uh, had the words of life and that there was nothing else. Where else am I to go, Jesus? You have the words of life. We must be receptive to what God's word has to say to us. And when we are receptive, when we take it seriously, it is able to to save you. God wants to offer salvation to you this morning. God wants to rescue you. But you've you've got to 
to receive the life preserver that he's thrown to you. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the news over the weekend what's been happening in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, but they've had uh, massive flooding there. And uh, saw on CNN on the Internet this morning where uh, there was a, there was a middle-aged woman in a car with her do- dog. And the, the water was, uh, there was about this much of automobile above the, the, the surface of the water. All, the rest of her car was submerged. And there were some guys trying to rescue her. And, and finally, one guy just jumped into the water. He, he had kind of created a hole in the top of the roof. And he just took his hands and he tore away. I don't know if he took, tore away the windshield. I don't know what he was tearing away. But uh, as, you know, water had engulfed this car, you could see this woman's arm all of a sudden come above the surface. And he's able to uh, pull her out of there. And uh, as she's come to the surface, she uh, says, my dog, my dog, her dog was still in the car. And uh, the guys thought her dog was a a goner. But uh, this one gentleman just kind of felt around with his arm and, and felt the dog and was able to, to rescue the dog uh, as well. But uh, an amazing thing that, uh, that <coughs> this, this gal and her dog were able to be, to be rescued. It reminds me of a, of a story about a, a man who was going through a flood and uh, he was sitting on his roof and he was praying, God, please save me. And uh, about that time, there's a person in a canoe that comes by and says, hey, this water is going to overtake your house. Hop in my canoe, and I can get you to safety. And the guy says, no, I, I'm, I'm trusting God that God's going to rescue me because I've been praying to him. A little while later, a, a, a bigger boat comes by with a police officer in it. He says, sir, you need to get in this boat because this water is going to overtake your house. And the guy says, no. I'm praying, I'm believing that God's going to rescue me. Off he goes. And a little while later, here comes a helicopter. And with a a speaker says, Sir, get on the ladder, get on the rope. We want to get you to safety. He says, No, I'm praying that God is going to spare me, that God is going to rescue me. About that time, the water overcame the house, and the man uh, was was taken away off his roof, and the man drowned. And he gets to heaven, and he wants to have an audit. He wants he wants to talk to God. And he asks God, God, I prayed to you, and you let me down. I could be alive on earth right now, and you made me drowned. Why? Why didn't you answer my prayer? And God said, You know what I did. I sent you a canoe, a boat, and a helicopter, and you wouldn't respond. You know what? God wants to save you. I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but God has given us a life raft. He's given us a way of of escape. He's given us a way to save us. And James says, it's through the word of God. Verse 21 says, which is able to save your souls. 
God has given us an instruction manual. And we need to pay attention to it. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You have the ability to experience freedom. To experience life as it was meant to be lived. But it's only according to God's way. It is able to save you. So we must be receptive. We must be ready. We must be receptive. Number three, you and I must be responsive. We've got to do what it says. James 1, 22 through 24 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks at. Looks like. <clears throat> In being responsive, in reading God's word, it's like looking into a mirror. And when we look into that mirror, we need to examine ourselves. What do I see in this mirror that I need to change? If I was looking in a mirror and I was, um, I had a piece of broccoli between my teeth, a big honking piece of broccoli in between my teeth, and would just say to myself, hmm, that's interesting, and walk away and not do anything about that piece of broccoli, wouldn't I look a little bit foolish? Wouldn't people want be coming up to me and say, oh, you might want to do something about your teeth? No, I'm going to ignore that. No, and that's the purpose of Scripture. We must examine ourselves. And in examining ourselves and and finding things that are wrong, we need to make the appropriate connection, correction. You know the audience that I I have found that takes this passage really seriously? Has been when I when I preached um, in prisons, guys who are in jail, guys guys that uh, have nothing else to do are at the end and are paying the price. It's amazing how hungry, how thirsty, how on edge of the seat these men are in those worship services. God has their attention. And they know what the word says. And they have seen themselves as they really are. And they are making the appropriate corrections. You don't have to wait to that point. I've had those conversations with with husbands whose wives have kicked them out of the house or their wives have left. And it's amazing how all of a sudden these men are hungry and thirsty for the word of God. 
you can avoid that situa- those situations if you will pay attention now to what you see in the mirror in God's word and make the appropriate correction because as you do, transformation is going to occur. And that's the purpose of the word of God. The, the word of God isn't just to make you more knowledgeable about what the scripture says. That just leads to arrogancy, to pride, spiritual pride. The word, the purpose of the word is to transform our life. Do you find yourself in a situation where you can allow the word to transform your life? And what I mean by that is that transformation doesn't take place in isolation. Transformation takes place through relationship. God has given us the church so that we can be in relationship with one another. And this week's life group lesson is about this very thing. Talking about the Word of God and then and being transparent and being vulnerable and say, you know, these are areas of my life where I need to change, and I need for you guys to hold my feet to the fire. You know, we're having a men's breakfast this next Saturday morning. Saturday morning. Now, we're not going to get real vulnerable all at once next Saturday, but guys, you need to have other men in your life who can be encouraging you to do the right thing, the godly thing. And in order for that to happen, you know what? You've got to be, you've got to be honest. You've got to be transparent. And maybe you're here and you're thinking to yourself, Pastor, I can do this all by myself. I don't need other guys in my life. You may not need other guys in your life, but other, other guys need you in their life. And truth be told, we all need each other. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We need to be in relationship with each other. And so I want to encourage, if you're not part of a life group, you find a life group. You see Karen this, this morning after this service. We're going to be talking about life groups. Uh, Karen, when, when do people have an opportunity to, to uh, join a new life group coming up? The 28th of August, okay? So uh, take advantage of this opportunity. You know, the bread and butter of this church is our small groups, whether it be Sunday morning or whether it be in homes throughout the week. You need to be a part of a life group. And the great thing about life groups is we get to have further conversation about what Pastor talked about on Sunday morning. You know, and it's not it's not an opportunity for you to talk about all the the things that Pastor said were wrong. No, it's to 
talk about life application. What does the word of God have to say? How does God want me to live my life differently in the days ahead? Transformation. We've got to examine. We've got to see what's wrong, get it out, and live differently. Now, how do we know? How do we know when transformation is really occurring? James tells us a little bit in verses 26 and 27. How should our life transform? If anyone considers himself religious and does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from, from being polluted by the world. James hasn't um, switched topics here in, in these two verses. He's, he's talking about how the word radically changes our life when we take it seriously. The way you know that transformation is taking place in your heart, one of the ways James tells us is that your language is going to change. James says, there will be a tight rein on your tongue. And so my question to you this morning is how is your language? Would it be something that the Holy Spirit is proud of? Or is your language just like a lot of other people in this world. I want to talk a minute, especially about the parents. You've got little ones or you've got teenagers in your home. What's your language like around your kids? I don't want to, you know, if, if it's like a sailor, I don't want to use sailor, okay? I don't want to offend sailors. But if, if they're hearing you talk one way at church and another way in the home, mom and dad, you are... You are destroying their spirits. They're, they're, they're watching hypocrisy being lived out before their very eyes. I've been a pastor now for 34 years. 
And I've, I've met some families in the past as well as today. Their language doesn't match church and home. And I've watched those kids grow up. And for 34 years now, I can say this with authority. For those children who watched this, that there, it was incompatible, incompatible, there was hypocrisy, whatever you want, however you want to describe it. Those kids aren't in church today. Now, this isn't true for everybody. But, but for parents who have been, who have done the right thing, who have kept a tight rein on their tongue, have lived a consistent life. For the majority of those parents who now have adult children, their kids are still in church. Oh, they've moved out of the area. They're they're faithful in some other church. But they received the blessing. They saw the consistency. And God is blessing those homes. I just want to encourage you, Christian, if transformation is really occurring in our life, if the word of God is, is is something that we're taking seriously. It's going to show up in our language. It's going to show up in our conversation with our kids. We're going to be encouraging them, strongly supporting them with our words, our love, our language. They're going to get a blessing. And that's going to continue with them for the rest of your life, of their lives. And if there isn't that consistency now in your home, mom or dad, it's not too late. If you need to go to them and you need to apologize for the words that you have used and that changes are going to occur in your language and you're being vulnerable and sincere, that is a conversation that they're never going to forget. And that step of honesty and integrity and wanting to do the right thing in the eyes of your children, that is going to go a long ways in their minds and in their lives. So how's your language? Is there a tight rein on your tongue? If transformation is occurring, James says, that's going to be obvious. That's going to show up. Another way it shows up is in how we treat um, the widow and 
the orphan, the poor. We're, we care about um, the marginalized, the ones who get overlooked. That's why we've adopted Pearson Inukern Elementary School. These are the most these are the two most impoverished elementary schools in our community. And the needs are great in those two schools. When the word is transforming our lives, we become aware of things like this and we want to be generous. It's not just all about my kids and what I need to do for myself, but no, you were looking beyond ourselves, and we're looking at how we can help other people. What was your what was your reaction when I talked about the Save the Children and the checking in with Facebook and how uh, you know we could help uh, this social cause? Did you have the attitude that says, oh, pastor, give me a break. That's just a gimmick. I'm not doing that. Or was your heart saying, oh, man, that sounds like a really cool idea. I can, I can let my friends know I'm here at this church worshiping, and I can support the Save the Children Foundation. Where the word of God is transforming our hearts and our lives. We're going to be responsive. We're going to see needs around us, and we want to, we'll want to do something about it. So how is the Word transforming your life, friend? It's not just about you but it's about the generation that's coming behind you. And it's not just about your kids, but it's about your kids' kids as well. I want to watch my grandchildren grow up and walk with Jesus. For that to happen, I they need to see consistency in my life. They need to be, see consistency in mom and dad's life. brings us to the last point in James. For this transformation to be ongoing, James tells us we need to be resolute. Verse 25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, He will be blessed in what he does. This isn't a a commitment that you make when you feel like doing it. This is something that you do for the rest of your life. And when we come into relationship with Jesus and we take his word seriously and we start saying no to some things that we've been saying yes to for a very long time, I want to be honest with you, it's not very fun in the beginning. It's kind of painful. 
And there are some necessary consequences, uh, decisions that you have to say no to. And in saying no, there are some consequences. You may have to give up some relationships with some people that you're saying yes to right now. And the pain is real. And there may be regret over the first few months. But if there's consistency and there is faithfulness over the next few years and the years to come, you can look back on those decisions that you've made with no regrets. Because you've experienced the blessings. You've watched the faithfulness of the hand of God in your life, in the life of your loved ones, your children that have come behind you. We must be resolute. You know, I've, I've enjoyed watching the Olympics this week. Who's uh, the Olympic gym, gymnast who won the gold medals? Simone, what's her last name? Biles? Biles? Simone Biles. Uh, I heard her talk about the fact that, um, you know, in order to get to the place that she is today, she had to say no to a lot of things. She had to say no to prom. Uh, She had to say uh, no to Friday and Saturday nights being able to go out with her friends and things like this. I mean, she has spent her life in the gymnasium. And my, how it is obvious. And she is experiencing the fruit of her labor. And when it comes to the word of God and living the Christian life, we need to have that same kind of resolution, friend. Yeah, it's going to hurt in the beginning. But over the long term, there is no regret. But we must be resolute. This isn't about, well, I'll do it when I feel like it. No, this is for the rest of my life. And for this to become a reality and for God to do these things in our life, you know what? It starts with a relationship with God. You have got to be in relationship with him. This isn't, this isn't a self-help message where you just gut it out, you do it all by yourself. No, you've got to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. You need to be in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. James 1.19, where we started this passage of Scripture, he said in verse 19, he said, My beloved brothers. James is writing to his brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. He's writing to his family, his spiritual family, and to, to experience to have brothers and sisters in Christ there has to be a common denominator. They all have, must have the same heavenly Father. And when 
God is your father. He's not just your creator, but he's your father. He gives you the resources and the person of Jesus Christ and the the Holy Spirit to give you the power, the ability to make the corrections that you see in the mirror in God's word. And so my question to you this morning is, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Don't say, well, pastor, I come to church, so, or I live in the United States of America, so of course I'm a Christian. That doesn't make you a Christian. That's like eating at McDonald's every single day of your life and thinking that you're a Big Mac. It's not going to make you a Big Mac. You become a Christian by humbling yourself, realizing that you can't live your life, the life that God wants you to, yourself. That you are a sinner and that you have failed God. But you don't have to remain that way and that you know that Jesus came and live the life that we couldn't live ourselves. He was perfection. He fulfilled every word of God and then went to the cross. He got on that cross. He took the wrath of of his father Upon himself, he took the punishment that I deserve for my sin, that you deserve for your sin. Jesus died in our place. He was buried in a grave. And three days later, God rose him from the grave and he conquered sin and death. And the Bible says when you believe that, that Jesus died for you and then he rose from the grave, confessing your sin, asking God to forgive, you become a child of God. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of of God. When you become his child, you can begin to live out these truths. But you got to be my brother or sister in the Lord. And it starts a relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the practicality of uh, these words in this passage of scripture this morning. God, I I just, I have to believe that you're convicting hearts in this service, in these services this morning. My friend, if God is speaking to your heart, you know that you're not who God wants you to be. It's not too late. His forgiveness, His love, 
can cover a multitude of sin. His blood covers it all. But you've got to call upon His name. say, God, save me. I believe. My friend, if that's your heart's desire, God wants to come into your life and make you brand new. I want to encourage you to have more conversation with one of the elders of our church. We'll have people in the dining hall this morning dismiss yourself from where you're at as we sing this song and and go and talk to somebody. We want to introduce you to a relationship with Jesus. Not here to make a a public spectacle spectacle of you and, and our church. No. We just want to introduce you to God's love for your life. Take advantage of this time. You need prayer this morning. You're a Christian and uh, some things are going on in your life. Take this time to connect with him this morning. Father, thank you for your living word that not only can transform our personal lives, but God, it can transform our homes, our relationships with our wife and our kids and our employer and employees. us to take your truth seriously and grab hold of it. Allow you to save, to save our soul. In Jesus' name, would you all stand with me, please? And let's sing, let's worship, and if you need to talk with somebody, dining hall, go to the dining hall, we're there to share with you. Thank you.